You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma. Mike Hearn here, your host, back with another episode. Fortunate enough to be sat across the table from Mr. Scott Lewis Jr., Thank you so much for having uh, for having me up here in the office, you know, to and sharing the story that we're going to talk about today. It um, means a lot. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you uh, letting us uh, come on the show and kind of share my story. Yeah, definitely. So, like we spoke a little bit before, you know, we started recording. You're Edmund, born and raised. You know, never moved. Which for someone in your position now, a lot of people would have probably moved out and thought, oh, you know, Oklahoma growing up. It's not what it is now. You would have, could have gone somewhere else. But um, take us back, you know, growing up in Edmond, uh, family, and then kind of school and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, born and raised Edmond, you know. Uh, I would say more like Edmond and Guthrie. You know, I've been between, you know, the two for my whole life, you know. Went to Edmond schools, graduated in 99 at Edmond Memorial. And... Uh, what I mean. Yeah. So uh, you and your brother founded this the business that we're going to share some stories about. But um, are you the oldest? I am the oldest. Okay. I'm the oldest. My brother is uh, a couple years younger than me, and then yeah. we had a little sister, and she was uh, eleven years younger. Than yeah, me. yeah, yeah. What was it like growing up in Edmond, like in kind of the nineties and graduating in the nineties? Oh wow, man! It's not I mean, what it is now, is it? It's not now, man. It's Edmond is not yeah. what it used to be. You know. Uh, Back in the nineties it was it was not this it was not this big. Right. Was I mean, was the traffic still as oh, bad? No. I mean, well, <laughs> I really don't know. Yeah. I mean when I started driving and stuff, I mean I would probably say no. Yeah. You know. Edmund did not build the city for growth. Yeah. You know. Going so going to high school in Edmund Memorial, um, what were kinda your thoughts on what you were gonna do growing up? You know, were you gonna go to university? And and were you going to, to go into business? What was the kind of thought in the nineties well, then? I didn't like school. Okay. I don't I didn't want anything to do with school. And so, you know, I had thoughts about going to college, but it's really more of why what am I gonna go to college for? Yeah. Um, so growing up, you know, my dad was an entrepreneur. He was also a pastor. And, uh, you know, over the weekends and stuff like that, he'd, he'd go out and sell neckties or hope he'd go out and sell uh, dinner cards or he always had something going on. And so he taught me and my brother those, those things, Yeah, you know? And so growing up, I always knew that I would be successful. I just did not know what I would be successful in. Right. So, yeah. So you, so you had like the kind of buying and selling things, paper routes and all the rest of it. Do you know, remember what the first one was? Oh, I mean, I remember when me and me and my brother, you know, we were wanting to go on a uh, youth trip, a youth group ski trip. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this, I mean, I didn't come from money. My mom and dad, you know, my dad was the breadwinner and he busted his tail for what we did have. Um, But he always had that entrepreneur mindset. And so we wanted to go on the ski trip and I forgot what it was. It was Mm -hmm. like $1,000 a piece or something. And uh, he had this wild hair, you know, and said, okay, hey, we're going to go down here on Northwest 16 and Villa, guys. We're going to get my BB gun. Yeah. And we're going to shoot down some mistletoe. And, you know, we're going to shoot it down. We shot it down. He put it in Ziploc bags. And he said, well, you guys are going to go door to door and sell this mistletoe. And this was over the holidays. Yeah. And so he'd give us pitches and stuff like that on you know, and we went door to door for years, you know, for or that time. Yeah. And we sold out on mistletoe. We had enough money to go to ski trip and we had enough money to put back in our savings. Yeah. And so all throughout my childhood I were I remember certain incidents like that for years. Well, we did that. We sold neckties. We sold dinner cards. We sold, I mean, we did that all through our childhood. Yeah. So, like, it, it never really was a question of, like I said, what are you going to go to university for when you've technically been training to sell your entire life? Pretty much. Like, it's ingrained in you, isn't it? 
Oh, yeah. It was, I mean, I know how. Give me whatever. If I can sell mistletoe from door to door, yeah. no matter what it is, I can sell it. Yeah. So what were you kind of passionate about at a young age? Were you into sports and stuff? I, I mean, I was in sports a little bit, you know. Um, it was really just, I was just thinking about money. Yeah. I was thinking about what to do. You know, I, my girlfriend always tells me, you know, man, you're, you're, you are a deep thinker. And I am because yeah. every day I think about money. I yeah. think about how can I make a buck? And so when I was growing up, that's really what I, I was passionate about. You yeah. know, just, man, what am I going to do in the future? How yeah. am I going to make it happen? You know? And yeah. So that's kind of what I did. I mean, really, uh, any hobbies and stuff, it was really more just riding my bike around Edmond. And that's what yeah. I did for all my childhood. Yeah. And then selling something along the way. Selling stuff along the along the way. If there's a reason why I needed, you know, a yeah. buck or two. You know, now growing up in my, you know, teens and early 20s, obviously I had jobs. Yeah. You know, I worked at Sonic or I worked at Crest Foods for years. So, I mean, I did stuff like that. Yeah. But you always had that entrepreneurial, what can I do, you know, outside of my job and outside of everything else to oh, yeah. make some money. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember any of the, like the really crazy big ideas you had? Uh, I mean, I just knew that I would be very successful. Yeah. You know, I knew that I knew that money would not be an issue. You know, I just knew it. Yeah. I didn't know how I was going to get there, mm-hmm. but I just knew whatever came my way that I would have the ability to make it happen. Yeah. I just didn't know what. Right. So when you graduated, what what's the what was the next step from there? That you're like, I don't have to go to school now. Well, when I graduated, I was like, screw, screw school. I ain't yeah. going. Yeah. You know. And so I just kind of, just kind of worked. I kind of just uh, worked at Sonic or I worked at different uh, different restaurants, and I was the line cook. You mm-hmm. know, flip you know flip steaks and stuff like that. Enjoyed it. You know, you know. Like I said, my dad was a was a uh, pastor, and he had he also. Uh, was a uh, business owner called a, a company called Corporate Support. And what he did is he placed chaplains within the workplace. Okay. He did that all across the nation. And he was also a uh, talk show host on KTOK 1000. No way. Okay. And his show was number one in the Oklahoma City Metroplex for years. Yeah. And so, you know, as I graduated and as he kind of mentored me and stuff like that, and as I started getting older, then he'd start, he placed me and, and uh, I started selling uh, corporate support to businesses. And then I started selling uh, uh, radio advertisements for his radio show. Okay. And so that's kind of where things started looking up for me. That's when I started moving away from the restaurant and grocery business and started moving into more of working with my dad and getting to more serious types of entrepreneurship. Yeah. Yeah. Bigger accounts, nationwide stuff. That's like, you know, really opens your eyes up a little bit from, you know, like selling mistletoe door to door. Right. Oh yeah. So, um, what, so how long did you do that for until you're like, I'm going out on my own? I, I've kind of paid my dues. It's time to go do my own thing. Uh, I would say probably, probably when I was about twenty, when I was about twenty, about twenty one, twenty twenty one, twenty two, I took an oil field job out in Louisville, Kentucky, and I moved out to Kentucky for about a year. Yeah, and did that, and that's really when I was like, okay, I'm ready to be on my own, and so I did that. Then I came back home, and when I came back home. I worked with my dad for a couple, two, three years doing radio advertisement uh-huh. and stuff. And then finally, and then at that time, he was working with one of his best friends doing what I do today, which is environmental compliance. And I just basically went to my dad and said, hey, you know, I love what I do for you, but it's not paying my bills. Yeah. Yeah. There's got to be something else that I wanted that can support me. And I said, I know you're in this with your best friend. You know, can you get me in this business? Can you teach me? And that's when he got me into it. And he went to his friend. And his friend, you know, kind of was like, oh, you know, 
Scotty Lewis can't do it. There ain't right. no way. My dad was like, <laughs> you have no I'll idea. Train him. Yeah. You know, and so he trained me, you know, and he taught me everything yeah. that he knew. And uh, when, you know, dad passed in 06, then, uh, you know, his old friend, I still worked with his friend, and his friend told me to, you know, he's like, you're my number one. Yeah. You know, you're you're the backbone to the company. You're, you do more sales than anybody that's ever worked for me. Yeah. And so from that point, that's what got me in the into mid, the yeah. oil and gas business. Yeah. What did what was it like going to you know going to Kentucky for that year? Just being out, being on your own, and how how different was it back what back then? I guess early two thousands. It was early two thousands. Yeah. It was a little scary. Yeah. Because. Uh, I obviously had drove this little $500 car that I bought, you know, Mazda Protégé. Yeah. And I drove it, drove it all the way to Kentucky. So going cross country by on my own was a little bit terrifying. Yeah. You know, but I liked it because it was me. You know, it got me away from home and just, you know, what what's mom and dad want you to do? Right. You know, with what they see in you, it was more of just branching out and like trying to figure out me. Yeah, yeah. And so I did that. And uh, it was a little, a little weird at times because there's, I was staying on the road with guys that was on the road for years. Yeah. So it's like dealing with truckers. You know, I mean, you you're dealing with the, you know, when you're born in Oklahoma, you're dealing with a Bible Belt state. Right. And so it's really conservative. You go to Kentucky, and it's it's totally different. Yeah. It's very liberal. It's very you know, triple X hotels. And it's like, what is this? Yeah, you know. And so, it was it was uh, it was definitely a learning experience for me. It was I think that that I needed that mm-hmm. to get to where I'm at today. And so yeah did that and I you know I traveled to Chicago I went down to Louisiana and I just like I said I stayed with guys that was they lived the road life drinking yeah. you know triple x hotels I didn't do any of that by any means I was like I ain't staying there yeah but you know just that whole dynamic it was an eye-opener to me. right yeah, it puts life in it. You just have a new... It, it, you see how other people live, not just how... The, you don't think, oh, everyone lives in Oklahoma like this. The whole world like, yeah. lives like this. And then you move away and you're like, okay, this yeah. is completely different. Yeah. Now you're from the you know, one extreme to another. Uh, but like you said, it, it helps you grow as a person. And then obviously, you know, you come back and you get into business with your dad and his best friend. And then... So where does your brother come into all this on that? Well, so, you know, I worked environmental compliance and did that, you know, a couple of years there after my dad died. And it just got to a place where I saw much more needed things that I could offer to my clients than just what I did with my old boss. Mm-hmm. And this is the time that my brother was working for Jackie Cooper and he really wasn't making a whole lot. You know, and he was the uh, he was the boat manager for Boat and RV World, which mm-hmm. was huge back then. But he knew that he had a destiny too. You know, he knew that, and so we we decided to start Scojo, mm-hmm. and uh, Scojo stands for Scott and Josh, and that was in uh, 2008. So 2007, we were basically thinking about yeah, it, yeah. throwing around, throwing around ideas okay, hey, this is when we're going to do it. Right. And so March of 2008, we opened up Scojo. And so I taught my brother how to, you know, pick up uh, clients and what I did. Taught my my mother how to process and stuff like that. And so we started, you know, a lot of people, you know, come to me, you know, in social media and stuff like that. And they say stuff like, oh, my God, how do you start up a business? How do you do this? How do you do that? You know, it's no rocket science. Yeah. You know? You don't have to go to a bank and get a loan. You just got to do it. Yeah. You just got to have dedication. You're going to do it. And with me, I think it's it comes easy with me because I come from, you know, obviously my dad teaching me. Yeah. So all I got to do is pick up the phone, say a pitch, and it's all she wrote. Yeah. And so I was already already in the industry and stuff like that. So we, we uh, went to go get an office. 
a little bedroom, literally an office, one bedroom. Yeah. We had office furniture that my dad had, just minor, nothing great. And we signed a lease and we had 30 days to make rent, mm-hmm. to make payroll, and then pay the bills that we had. Yeah. And so we had one phone line and one fax line. And from that point on, we've been able to make rent, lease, and we've paid payroll, and we've never missed a payroll since. Yeah. All the way through the crash, too. All the way through the crash. How was that? Being, what, six months in and then less than, what, yeah, about about six months, right? We were environmental compliance. Yeah. So crash or not, EPA is still going to be out there inspecting and doing their thing. So. You know, you have to do it. You're going to be an operator. There's laws that you have to abide. Right. If you don't want to abide, that's fine. But if the EPA comes around, yeah, I mean, so it's over. W- was there other companies kind of price cutting and doing all the rest of it to get the comp? I mean, it's oh, yeah. got that right that at that time they know yeah. they need you. It's got to be extremely competitive. Yeah, I mean, at, yeah, I mean, there was other companies that did what we did. Mm-hmm. You know, but we were so small that we could price cut everybody yeah, and still make a big profit. yeah. And so we kind of did that. And right at that crash, because that, that crash only lasted not long. Mm-hmm. It was really the housing market. You know, oil prices were, I don't know, 80, or they were about 140. Yeah. And then they just went, yeah. and crashed to about 20s. But they didn't stay there. They right. jumped straight back up. And then they went up to $100, over $100 a barrel for six years. Yeah. And then that's when, that is when we hit our prime. I mean, right. we got huge contract with Sandridge. Yeah. And that's when it was all she wrote for yeah. us. Wow, that's so cool. To just go through all that and just like family business, because family businesses don't work all the time. But to just don't. to have that, you know, and have you and your brother in and your mom doing the processing, like that must have been a really special time. It was. I mean, it's, uh, you know, see mom, you know, because mom and dad were, you know, splitting up, Mm -hmm. you know, going through their debacle. And then we lost dad, which was a huge blow. And then to go through all that, that I went through with that, that stuff. I mean, I lost my dad to suicide and found my dad. And so going through that and still building a company, that's unheard of. You know, and so all of that occurred. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I mean, going through all that, like you come across things that, uh, like in business, that happen every day, like obstacles, and it just doesn't seem big now after you've gone through all that. It's like, oh, yeah. You've already been through all this. Like, what? I've been through the worst of the worst. Like, what else is there? There's no, you know, you're going to get through it, right? Like, it's, it doesn't, and a lot of people, like, I, had a little bit of a little bit of experience with that, but not to that extent. And just like it, just like I said, it puts life into perspective. And you just kind of wake up every day. I'm like, right, doesn't matter what life throws at me. I'm I'm still gonna go at it. You know, I'm still gonna get through it and see what tomorrow throws at me. Well, as well. I think it's a I think it's a choice. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, when I found my dad, and I knew the night before that my dad took his life. I just had that had this feeling, mm-hmm. and you know. You know, everybody's going to have their opinions, but, you know, I think God told me your dad committed suicide. I think he gave me a fair warning. And so when I drove over there Labor Day weekend, so this is Labor Day. This weekend, yeah. So it's going to be 13 years this Labor Day. Yeah. You know, I knew on my way over there that I was going to find my dad dead. Just knew it. Mm. Found my dad dead. You know, face blown off with a 30-30 rifle, you know. And so with me... You know, to be sitting here talking to you today about it without shedding a tear is extreme healing because I went through that healing process and I was determined to not accept the world's view on, oh, well, you're going to have P.S. Right, because you can you can be anywhere this. else after this. Yeah, yeah you're going to have that. And I was like, no, I'm not. Yeah. I'm going to get through this process. And I did. Yeah. And so got through the process still building the company it's a choice yeah everybody's gonna deal with life different life is gonna throw you curveballs yeah. you know that's that's just every year every day uh-huh. you, you just don't know when it's your what are you you know it's a choice yeah are you gonna allow life to beat you down to your knees 
Or are you going to get up and you're going to make something of it? Yeah. Are you going to turn it around into a, a success story? You know, and so that's what I chose to do. I didn't choose for life to beat me down. Yeah. That's not an option for me. Yeah. And, you know, so like I said before, you go into all these tough times. If you come across a tough time in business, you know you're going to figure it out. Oh, yeah. From all your training from a young, I say training, you didn't know probably it was training at the time, but now you look back on it like that was kind of just like how dad did his thing and taught us how to make money. Oh, yeah. And now, you know, you have all this experience of doing that from a young age selling anything door to door which if you give any person in high school today a challenge to go sell things door to door they'd shit their pants they will like i'm not doing that you know like you know and i think grown people would probably do the same thing too like and then you get to you know where you are now and you look back and see everything that you've gone through um you know you mentioned before the podcast like in a, in a time you needed a loan yeah and just kind of you just get through it you do um, is that kind of where like the motivation side of things comes from? Like this from the social media stuff that you have, is that where that was just like, I'm naturally motivated. I just kind of have this passion to just talk about it and put it out there. Yeah. I just, you know, I've always been motivated and you know, my dad was a motivator and just my past and what I've been mm -hmm. through and stuff like that. You know, you, you, you know, you said a good point, you know, you go to any high school guy to you know kid yeah. today or even an adult or a millennial or you know you go to them and say door to door there's like i mean a, like a no willingness to even try yeah you know and it's just like i mean if you don't have a willingness to even try then mm -hmm. how is your life going to be so successful how are you going to achieve great things mm -hmm. you know you don't know until you try you know, and so with social media, you know, back in 2015, I had about 800,000 or uh, 8,000 followers. And I jumped in this group on social media called Gentleman's Mafia. And I've met a lot of great entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. multi, multi million millionaires yeah. on there. And I'm great friends with them today. And I, we jumped in this uh, social media group called Gentleman's Mafia. And we kind of, it was a, where you kind of pay a certain amount of money each month mm -hmm. and uh, kind of get together with some of the big wigs on social media and kind of pay them to yeah. shout you out, you know, because there's a lot of scams on social oh, media yeah. now. Especially now. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you pay, you know, hey, man, pay me 700 bucks and I'll get you 20,000 followers. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, right. Yeah. Whatever. They're going to be fake. You, you know? get 20 likes or post. Exactly. <laughs> and so 15, 16, you know, I invested about 25,000 into yeah. my uh, Instagram and blew it up. Yeah. It's over 600,000 followers now. I, uh, for about a year and a half mm -hmm. up to, to this day, it's been growing organically mm -hmm. and I've gained about 175,000 followers in about a year and a half yeah. organically. And so I, uh, I just used that as my platform and just post a lot of motivational type things yeah and yeah. just kind of help motivate people sometimes i use it if i want to get on there and do a live feed or something like that i'll use it a lot of people tell me all the time man oh you got to do something like you got to yeah. use it for this or money that or money this i'm like you know yeah. it's not all about the money right because with a page that size you could easily monetize it and sell ads and all the rest of it yeah. and like you know not saying that you're not going to work again, but like you could make money from it and have a nice life. Yeah. But when it comes from everything you've been through, it's just like, it's not about that. Yeah. I mean, I sell ads here and there, make yeah. a hundred here, a hundred there, but you know, I definitely can make a whole lot more if I wanted to, mm -hmm. but I choose not to because I want to use it for a platform for me, you know, and, and try to give out hope to people out there in the stuff that I've been through mm -hmm. and just motivate people because there's a lot of people out there. They just lack motivation. Yeah. You know, and if they can see, you know, my platform and what I provide, mm -hmm. you know, it helps them. And even on my face, Facebook page, I got a little, I got about 5,000 followers or friends or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I've been posting on there probably in the last two or three weeks, just, different types of uh yeah. motivational stuff and now i'm getting messages from people saying you have no idea 
what that post did for me today. Right. You know, if I can just touch one person yeah. from my story, that's all I need. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. Have you done any kind of on stage speaking, stuff like that? Uh, not really. You know, um, not to say that I wouldn't, mm-hmm. you know, down down the road sometime, but, you know, yeah. it's definitely an option. Yeah, definitely, because just kind of the story and everything. And then, like, I think what's valuable and what I, what I love about, you know, on uh, speaking is in real time, you just do a Q&A and you can provide real value, right? Because oh, yeah. a lot of people get up there and they talk and they tell their story and they tell their story a thousand times yeah. to a thousand different crowds and that's it. Yeah. But or they say, well, here's my course, you know, and then they sell their answers through oh, a course, yeah. right? Instead of getting up and just kind of, what can I help you with today? Oh, you're over this business, right? This is how I would do it, that kind of thing. Yeah. I think that'd be really cool, really valuable, especially because do we really have that many, that that kind of person in Oklahoma right now? I don't of, know if we of, do. Of what? Like a like a speaker, like a. I don't think we. There's no one that kind of comes to mind. I can't think of anybody. Yeah. 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 That, that, you know, the kind of because every company has like the motivation kind of someone comes in they rah rah the troops or whatever you yeah. know and that's it didn't it and i think motivation is one of those things that it's you just can't do it once it needs to be a daily thing because it's you know yeah i feel great for 30 minutes and i want to run through a wall and bang all these sales calls out but tomorrow i'm gonna feel like shit again yeah well i think you know i think every company needs a motivator to motivate their employees Mm-hmm. But I think they need somebody also that understands customer service because customer service goes a long way. And if you don't provide customer service, I don't care how motivated you are, that ain't going to get you anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of one-time sales instead of repeat business. Oh, yeah. 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 So after everything you've been through, what's kind of, you know, what's kind of plan for the future? What do you want to do with the end of the year? And then I guess what... Uh, we're obviously the business is doing well you know do you, do you going to start other businesses are you is it i assume it's not just oil and gas that you're in, into uh oil and gas is kind of what i'm into mm-hmm. um i've done things along the way you know uh other things and av- avenues and stuff and i've learned real quick that you need to stick with what you know and what i know is in oil and gas mm-hmm. you know i've done rental properties and stuff like that and that's just it's a minefield it, yeah i mean if you don't have a lot of money i mean multi-million sitting in the bank somewhere where you can delegate the all that nonsense to yeah. somebody to where you don't ha- even have to jack with it yeah you just got to check every month just don't do it because it's going to take it's going to take your time and energy on what you need to focus on mm-hmm. you know everybody knows what they need to focus on and if you don't focus on what you know your success will go away mm-hmm. you know six i mean there's there's a thing called you know uh rents due every day for success that means you got to put your time and energy into what into what makes you successful mm-hmm. and so i got rid of my rid of my rental property every once in a blue moon i got a buddy of mine that sells houses you know he builds houses actually and i might jump in with him or something like that you know just to kind of make a few extra bucks Mm -hmm. um but for the future you know here recently you know uh i had you know uh, two partners obviously my brother being one and we just recently split up the partnership just because of the industry Mm -hmm. uh you know, oil and prices crashed about four years ago, and it's been very tough. You know, a lot, a lot of oil companies, a lot of the big wigs, yeah. you know, they're slashing their staff. They're going out of business. You know, it's just tough times now. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the only way that we, we thought we could survive was to split up the partnership. So, you know, Scojo is still Scojo. It's Scott and Josh. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, he has Scojo Land resources which is uh title work landman type work and then i have scojo environmental okay and so but internally it's changed so it's just me yeah so for the future you know i plan on growing environmental into something that it's never been before okay so yeah and so tell us a little bit about because 
you know, me coming from the UK, I don't really know much about oil and gas because there's not many people in the industry back home. And then coming out here, like, I'm around it enough, like meet people like yourself, but I don't know like the specifics. So without going into too much detail, but enough to make us understand, tell the listeners a little bit about like the environmental side of stuff that you do and, and then your plans for providing a service that no one else is giving right now. Well, you know, th- th- there's a bad uh, rap out there. A lot of people think, oh, my God, oh, my gas is just, you know, they're just doing what they want to do and they're making all this money and they're just not taking care of the earth and da 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 yeah. right? There's an agency called the EPA. And the EPA takes care and there's, there's regulations and there's things that they make the oil and gas industry follow. Okay. So they are being, you know, the oil and gas industry, they are regulated. I'm sure they're heavily regulated. Heavily. Too. Yeah. I mean, if you think they just get away, they don't get away. You know, they may get away. Yeah. Oh, I might have this oil spill. EPA don't know about it. But once the EPA does know about it, mm. it's over. Game I over. mean, they can shut you down. They will fine you millions and millions of dollars. Like they will make your life a living hell if they want to. Yeah. And so with me, you know, we, we provide environmental compliance. So all the reports and all the regulations and all the stuff that the EPA states, hey, this oil company needs to follow. We go out and we basically are an advocate for the oil and gas industry basically say, hey, this is what you have to do to be gotcha. in compliant. And so, you know, we're cheaper than the EPA, you know, and so yeah. we provide these different, you know, different plans, different inspections, different air quality surveys. I mean, there's all kinds yeah. of stuff that we do that we provide. And then they just, you know, if the EPA gets involved, which in the last, say, four years, I've probably done probably... 40 or 50 different EPA inspections. Mm-hmm. And I basically help my clients stay in compliant with the EPA. Mm-hmm. I've had many of clients that will only do bare minimum compliance. EPA gets involved. Yeah. And then I have to walk them through it and say, hey, I'm sorry you got fined $10,000. But this is what I was talking about. Yeah, you know. So now you understand. Now you understand. Yeah, you know. Now, now you got fined ten thousand dollars, and guess what? You still have to do what I recommended. Right. Yeah. So that's kind of what I do. I help them stay in compliance. Yeah, yeah. And you know, that's what we do. Yeah, and you've, like I said, been in the business. I've been in the, since, like I said, early two thousand eight. You've seen it all, pretty much. Oh yeah. Like, you know, 20 plus years, it's, um, it changes every day, but you've seen, you know, your fair share of ups and downs and, and things, the companies that go bust, right? Sandridge as well. Sandridge isn't around anymore, is it? Yeah, Sandridge. Well, Sandridge is still around. But it's someone. But it's, it's, it's not Tom Ward. Yeah. You know, so I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't care if you're in oil and gas or you're in real estate, you're in medical, whatever. Every industry is going to have its ups and downs. Every industry is going to have regulations that they're going to have to follow. Right. That's just, that's the way of the world. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, I've, I've seen a lot of stuff out there. I mean, I'm, I'm a fuel guy, so I go out, and, you know, I go out into the field. I've seen all kinds mm-hmm. of crazy, yeah. you know, oil and gas spills and stuff like that. And it's been, it's crazy. Yeah. And I don't think people realize how, like, unsafe it is to be an oil you know like it's they, they see a well or whatever and they're oh kind of cool but you don't understand what's going on around it and the gases and everything else and oh yeah they they blow up every now and then you know if something goes wrong well you know i mean there is a, a gas called hydro hydrogen sulfide which is h2s and if they, if if you know people like see those wells or they see those tank batteries or drilling sites or oh my god that's cool it yeah. is cool but you need to understand that if, if you don't know anything about the oil and gas industry and you don't know what the dangers, don't be a dumbass and yeah. go out there and do something. Because there's that gas I was telling you about. If that gas gets so much parts per million, the moment you smell it, it will kill you instantly. Jeez. So, you know, 
Yeah. It's you don't know. And you don't know if that gas is out there. Right. You can't see it. Yeah. They, yeah. you can't see it. You know, it's, if it smells like a rotten egg, you better just get away. Yeah. You know, but those oil and gas in, uh, companies, they may or may not have a sign that says H2S present. And if they don't have a sign saying that, and there's H2S out there, you can literally die with one breath. Yeah. You know, now that's, you know, that's, I've heard one story, right. you know, I mean, it's, it's yeah. hit and miss. I mean, it doesn't happen very often, but it does happen. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So back to the kind of like the, the motivation stuff for, for everyone listening, let's kind of do something, I guess, practical. What, um, you know, I'm trying to think what, how can, how can you help people listening, get motivated? What do you think they should do? If someone comes to you with a business idea, like I said, it's fairly simple. You, you have to pick up the phone, you have your idea. Now it's easier than ever to start a business. Um, but I guess this is kind of like your passion on uh, to the side, right? Your oil and gas money pays the bills. This your passion is the motivation stuff. Um, do you mentor many people? Uh, not really. Okay. I mean, I've, I've had people come to me and say, hey, I want you to mentor me and stuff like that. But it really comes down to time. Right. You know, and so I got mentors too, but I don't waste their time. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't come to them and have 88,000 questions. Yeah. You know, um, I go and, and meet with them every so often, buy their lunch, you know, hey, here's your check. You know, I'm, I have a willingness to, yeah. hey, thank you for your time. You got a lot of people out there that want all these mentors and stuff, but they're not willing to Invest. do their part. Yeah. You know? Yeah, because I guess they don't see it as an investment. Yeah. I mean, you got to see that as an investment. Yeah. You know? I know a lot of big businessmen, leaders here in the city. And one of my uh, dear friends and mentors is Wes Lane. Mm -hmm. And he was the DA when Timothy McVeigh, you know, and he's the one that indicted yeah. Timothy McVeigh. Yeah. And he's one of my mentors and, and I meet with him every so often. So, right. you know, yeah, his wisdom and stuff like that, I value. So, you know. If you want mentors, I mean, what are you willing to do? You yeah. got to do something for the time. Yeah. You know? Do you ever have anybody come to you that kind of like just wants to work for free and be like, hey, if I work for free and just kind of scrub the toilet, whatever, can I learn from you? Never Not had that. Not really. No. I've, I get a lot of uh, people on Instagram and social media that wants to send me their resumes and stuff like that. But like we uh, were talking about earlier, it's the willingness. Yeah. You know, it's like, what are you willing to do to make $100,000 a year? Yeah. You know, when I first started, yeah, I did my paper out, stuff like that. You know, but when I first started the industry, I didn't know anything to do with oil. Yeah. I was green behind the ears. I knew what a pump jack was. Mm -hmm. I knew where the oil came from. But I didn't, other than that, I didn't know. Yeah. So for a good six months... I didn't get paid in the oil industry. I, it was plain learning. Yeah. And because of that, look where I'm at today. You know, I've got a company that we've been in business for 15 years, you know, and the, uh, oil, uh, when oil was, I mean, just high, we had upwards of 150 people working for us. Yeah. We were the fastest growing service company, oil and gas service company in the city. Yeah. So, it was my willingness to learn that got me to that point. Yeah. So. So is that what you'd say to anybody that comes to you and is like, I have this idea. I want to go at it. Yeah. Just willingness to listen, willingness to, to learn. Yeah. Willingness to, you know, you may, you may go to a, a mentor or you may go to a, somebody, a business, or a, a guy that has success and they may listen to you and your idea. Mm -hmm. But they may shoot it down. Right. And if they shoot it down, you know, they may shoot it down just because they don't see the vision. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, you, and don't get disappointed. But they may have a point. They may say, that's full of, you're just full of crap. Man. Yeah. That's just not going to work. And they may, that may be the truth. So don't let that, you know, disappoint you. Just right. go to the next idea, you know? Yeah. Is there any ideas that you had as a kid that you were like, that were like that? You're like, this is not going to work. I need to go to something else. 
Because uh, to get to where you're at, you've obviously had to fail a ton of times to get to where you're at. Right? Oh, Success is failure all the time. Right? I got fired from jobs all the time. Yeah. You know, I did stupid stuff all the time. Yeah. You know, I don't know if I really had an idea. I can't really think of anything. Right. You know, but I just did a bunch of stupid stuff. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Being like you and your brother growing up and just, I mean, that's kind of actually not having a phone and going outside and getting into trouble. It's kind of what people did in the 90s, right? Like I'm... I grew up in the 90s. Like I say grew up. I'm 28, so I'll be yeah. 29 in a month or whatever. Like I, I still have that, you know, both side of me that I grew up outside before Facebook and all the rest of it comes online. Oh, yeah. You know, like yeah. people growing up, I have no idea what that is now. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you talk to people about social media, you know, about growing up before social media, they're like, what? Like, yeah. How is that even possible? You know, well, it's possible. And I got in a lot of trouble. Yeah. You know. The good thing is there's no record of it now, right? Because there's no pictures or videos of it. You don't have to worry about that yeah. stuff. We got kind of lucky with that. Um, but yeah, I, what um, a lot of people, like, like, you know, you said every day you're thinking about how to make a buck. And that's something that you had from a young age. Um, what is it kind of, do you have kind of like goals and places to like, I guess, significant things that you want to achieve uh, along the way? Does that ever stop? Is there ever going to be a point where... Like I, I've done enough now. That's it. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't. Yeah. I don't think about you know when I'm gonna stop. Yeah. You know, I don't think about you know. You get a lot of people talk about retirement. You know, and it's just like, man, when people retire, they die. Yeah. You know, not to say that I won't downshift and slow down a little bit and enjoy my life, but I'm still gonna have things going. Because that's what I do. That's what yeah. I've been doing, doing since I was little. You know, I was all, you know, I was always doing something. I was always trying to make a buck. I was, you know, I'm always thinking about ideas. And so, you know, with me, as I continue to grow my company and stuff like that, I, I see myself expanding and doing, having, doing different things. Yeah. You know, what is it? Something that you're not in right now that you'd like to get into? Uh, I think it's more of, uh, you know, I like to do real estate more, you know, uh, possibly have, you know, a lot of rental property, you know, Mm -hmm. um, I like to, you know, I've been, I've just recently started up my dad's, uh, uh, ministry back up called freedom ministries and basically what that what i'm going to do with that mm-hmm. is basically feed the poor and so when it really that's what I, that's my that's my passion okay is helping people yeah you know so i'd like to kind of get into that more and go to downtown and give water to the poor you know yeah. even people uh that are living in poverty that really can't build a house or this or that. I like to be able to provide ways to get housing. Right. You know, put kids through college, you know, just be a, I don't know, just somebody in the city to kind of. Yeah. And I have that, you know, kind of growing up or growing up with your dad being a pastor and that's kind of always been there right yeah. it's not just like oh now i've been successful i want to give back like that's always been there regardless of how much oh, money yeah. you've made it's truly a lifestyle for you the yeah. same with selling and always doing something yeah so that'd be, that'd be really cool to just to see that and kind of have the time to do it right because that's kind of what it all comes down to do you know uh the guys who do fill my basket i do okay so i was gonna say if you didn't that's who someone you i do you'd be close so to those guys they'd be i close got to. acquainted with a guy named uh, disty mm-hmm and me and Disty went to high school together. No way. Small yeah. world. And so I think he yeah. graduated in 2000, and I graduated in 99. Yeah. And so we uh, recently got acquainted on Facebook. Good. And then I started seeing different posts and stuff, and I'm like, man, this guy's really motivational. Like, man, yeah. you know. They like, do amazing I don't stuff. remember that in high school, you know. And so, uh, and then all of a sudden I saw that he had a... Uh, fill my basket deal mm-hmm. and so yeah him like, wow, and him man. and matt do some amazing things with that fill my basket and oh yeah you know we've had them on the podcast to share the story and it's it's incredible to you know just to see the stuff that they've done and you know you don't know 
what someone's going through but when you walk up behind them and say at a grocery store and say i got this like don't yeah. worry about it regardless of if it's you know two giant grocery grocery carts full of food or just a jug of milk like they, yeah they're really doing some amazing things and yeah they're definitely you know it, it's really cool to see what they do so. well that's kind of what what i respect about you know fill my basket and disty and stuff mm-hmm. like that and what i've what i've heard him say i mean if if you know, you get a lot of organizations out there. You got the Red Cross. You got all these whatever. Yeah. And you get all these people that donate multi-millions. What do they do with that money? Yeah. And you know, that, that's that's what I have a problem with. Yeah. You don't see it on the ground. Yeah, you don't see We still got people out there uh-huh. that are hungry, that are looking for housing, that are, you know, trying to yeah. trying to get somewhere in life, you know. And like, like we said earlier, life is going to, deal you a hand uh-huh. and some of these people out here they just got dealt dealt a hand and they're they're poor because yeah. life just you know got that way yeah. you know and so with them you know if i noticed and i've talked with disty you know i mean if disty has you know a 100 bucks in his pocket somebody comes up you know and they're needing whatever he just yeah gives it to him and I respect that because that's that's kind of that's my vision mm-hmm. is, you know, with with my ministry and stuff is I'm just going to self-fund it. Yeah. You know, and a, anybody else that want to, you know, give into it or whatever, it's going to go straight back to the people. Right. I don't need an income. Oil mm-hmm. and gas is where I get my income. Yeah. 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 So know? how can is, is that up and running yet? It's up and running. It's okay. I'm still trying to you know get get some other legality yeah. and stuff situated but yeah it's okay so it's, how, how can people listening get involved they just reach out to you yeah they can reach out to me uh if they want to reach out to me on uh, social media either a millionaire under slash motivator you can uh, dm me mm-hmm. or uh, scott lewis jr you know you can dm mm-hmm. me there on, yeah or you can write me you know uh, my uh, p.o box 895 edmond oklahoma Seven three zero eight three, yeah, and just kind of you know, yeah, definitely, yeah. Um, is there anything else you want to share with anybody listening? Any kind of tidbits that you have from just life experience and to speaking to anybody listening who's thinking of starting a business or just wanting to make that step? Well, you know, I did want to uh, share this about customer service. Mm-hmm. You know, I was talking with uh, my engineer, my petroleum engineer here, just shortly before we met. And, you know, when you start a business, customer service is number one. If you don't have customer service, you don't have a business. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to provide the best product with the best, the best quality, with the best service. You got to make, you got to make that customer feel like they are special. Mm-hmm. And if they don't feel like they're special, you're going to lose business. You know, and so, you know, right there in 08 and 09 when we picked up Sandridge, uh, you know, that's we got a phone call saying, hey, we need 30 landman right now. Well, 30 landman, $300 a day per day plus yeah. per dam. That's a lot of money. Yeah. And when you pick up a big contract with one of these big oil companies, they don't pay you until 90 days after. So you got to float. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So you yeah. get a big contract like that, but you only have about 100000 150000 sitting in an account somewhere else for your other business. Yeah. What are you going to do? Right. You know what I'm saying? So it was my customer service on my paper route. Uh, I had this paper route about 05, 04, 05, and I met a guy named Mr. Gregg, and this guy was pissed off. He was an older gentleman, but he was pissed off because of the previous paper route drivers. He's a man. He was like, just throw my paper down the driveway so I don't have to walk up. Yeah. Because I slipped, fell one winter, broke my leg. And I was like, hey, Mr. Craig. I was like, I didn't know that. You know, I just picked up this job. They didn't tell me this information. I said, but I will go over and beyond that. Yeah. I will bag your paper whether it's raining or not, I will walk down your driveway and I will lean it against your garage door. I did that for 365 days a year. Well, I never knew that 
in uh, 09 when we picked up Sandridge that that man would loan me $300,000 so we could make payroll for our people. And he gave us a year to pay it off, and we paid him off in nine months. So all because of my customer service and my willingness to go over and beyond scored me a $300,000 loan from my paper route customer yeah to pay my people yeah how long what, how how what was the difference between like how long were you on your paper route to when this happened how many years to when i got the loan yeah uh probably four yeah four or five years and i stayed in contact i i talked to him yeah on the way here you know i had talked to him in a while and so you know i talked to him and stuff and yeah it's good Wow. That's uh, some way to end the podcast. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time yeah, out of your day to do this. Um, yeah. It means a lot. Uh, and, you know, everything you've gone through, everything you've, like I said, it's a choice. You know, you wake up today, what am I going to do in my life, right? You know, yeah. you, things that you do, uh, and I can't wait to see the, the good things that are going to happen from, uh, you know, the Freedom Ministries that that's almost ready to go. Yeah. Um, yeah, it means a lot that I can come in here today and spend time with you. So I want to thank you for that. Well, I appreciate you sitting here and going through this journey with me. And I was proud. You know, it's, uh, it's an honor to be on the show. And, mm-hmm. you know. Awesome. Well, yeah. I ho- this probably won't be the last time, I hope. Um uh, love yeah. to, you know, share with you, uh, you know, kind of the things that you're going to do in the next few years with, with Freedom Ministries. And, and definitely come back around on that in, in a couple of years. Absolutely, man. I'd awesome. be proud to do it. Great. Thanks for listening, guys. Catch you next week. Cheers. Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram. podcast was produced by Mike Hearn and Ian Weston, mixed by Alan Brown, with music by Chad Duro.